the bonding that you share with an organization that has to be created it's not always the paycheck that binds you there is more that you need to develop you need to have the shared vision of where you're going together welcome to the bragworthy culture podcast where founders and business leaders talk about how they built a company culture that is so incredible their employees brag about it Our show aims to inspire you as you build a bragworthy culture of your own. Culture building is philosophical and practical, and you'll find both discussed here. Grab a pen and a notebook. We're about to drop some knowledge. This episode is brought to you by Fringe, the number one employee lifestyle and fringe benefits platform. With Fringe, you can empower employees with lifestyle benefits that can be personalized to reduce stress, give back time, and spark joy. Fringe, benefits for life. Contact us and find out more at fringe.us. Here's your host, Jordan Peace. Welcome back to Bragworthy Culture. This is your host, Jordan Peace. And today I'm fortunate to be graced with the presence of Mahim Mishra. Mahim is the president and CRO of Talent Quest. TalentQuest provides a hire-to-retire talent management and development platform that automates traditional talent processes, leverages behavioral science, generates prescriptive insights and guidance, and allows organizations to shift from a one-size-fits-all to an individualized approach to talent management and development. And I'm sure Mahim will tell us more about what that means and how all that goes down at TalentQuest. But Mahim himself has been in the technology field. He's worked with IBM. He's worked with GE. He's led a bunch of sales teams across larger organizations. And now, since 2016, has been with TalentQuest after TalentQuest acquired his company. So lots to talk about. I'm interested, Mahim, in your personal background, what your company was doing back in 2016 and prior. And then, of course, I want to talk about TalentQuest. But first, let me just say welcome to the show and thank you for being here. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, Thank you for having me on your show. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. So TalentQuest was founded 50 years ago, 1972. You guys have been around a long, long time, which is super interesting, super to me personally, because I do end up interviewing so many startups, so many companies that have only existed a few years. And so this idea of building a mission and a vision and values and a culture is all still very new, whereas you guys have 50 years of experience in this. And so I'd imagine there's been a lot of evolution over the course of time, both in the business model and also just in the experience of working at TalentQuest. But, you know, I'd love to start with just you, Mahim. I'd love to start with your background and kind of how you got here as of 2016 Kind of what led you down the path to getting into this talent management and development space? Sure, Jordan. So my background's in um, computer science. I did uh, go to school in India as well as college. I did uh, liberal arts from St. Stephen's College in India and then got a law degree as well as did some studies in computer science and started to work for a computer company in India. That was my first job. And it was a software export group, and I got exposed to to some niche technologies. And very quickly, in uh, 1997, got the opportunity to come to the U.S. and start to work for a project with IBM in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Moved on to Boston. 
to work for an automotive for group again that first time i was an it team lead thinking that i'm going to be in it all my life and grow in that it space but year 2000 i was on a break on vacation meeting my family in india when i was approached by ge capital and ge capital had already set up its back office for finance and for call centers in india at that time and they asked me if i was willing to move back to india and help set up the content team and really manage the technology for that team and that meant everything from looking at infrastructure looking at servers looking at hiring the right people and then kind of growing that so i did that a suburban a town of delhi that was was gurgaon and we were one of the first few offices to be set up in that area if you go there now it's completely transformed it's full of it companies but way back in 2000 we were one of the first companies set that up and then started to travel mostly back to the us but also to europe to try to secure business for the content entity that we had set up and at that time it was largely to GE organizations Jack Welch was leading GE and the number one largest company in the world doing very very well and i was traveling so much that in the year 2002 it was it felt that it may be better for me to actually move back bag and baggage e to new york Yeah, uh, which is what I did along with my wife, who I had met in India. So we moved to Albany, New York, and then subsequently to Atlanta. And all that while, I was starting to then do sales for GE. I moved on to join a company out of California that wanted again to do content sales for setting up their content division, and they also had a big data center, mostly IT, and I did that for about five years. Then this time, not moving back to India, but traveling back and forth to India. and in the year 2011 having done that for 11 years and seen the success of hiring content developers for india of course india was known at that time really as an it hub but not fully explored so much for content even though there was great potential started my own company it was called purple frame technologies i started that along with yogesh shanbag who was my colleague at ge he'd since gone on to join accenture and he started to manage operations and run the company from india he founded the company in india started the us arm of purple frame and we really grew fast and furious we got ge as a client we started to actually grow faster than we had anticipated so much so that at times we were scared that we would just simply run out of money there was only so much growth that our personal pocket books could support so <laughs> Yeah so 2016 uh, started to look for 2015 started to talk to investors about you know investing in our growth and met uh, Dr Merit Dr Frank renowned uh, organizational psychologist CEO of Talentwest and started to talk to him initially about investing into Popperframe and Frank visited India saw the team met Yogesh and said well I think there is enough synergies between talent management and talent development and what you guys do and what we do that he actually acquired a purple frame and I've since been with Talent Quest I love working for Frank he is an exceptional leader and we'll talk more about you know the cultures and the changes he's brought about and what I feel is so unique about him but he's let me uh, run the talent development division for Talent Quest and as of January this year I've also started to manage sales and marketing as the chief revenue officer for Talent Quest so I love the company and enjoy working here oh that's great and what a fantastic start 
I appreciate you just sharing your journey with us and the back and forth from Tennessee and back to India and back to New York. And then also, I think what's so interesting, and I can relate quite a bit to this aspect of things growing a little quicker than you anticipated. And it's a good problem, but it is a problem. And it can be pretty stressful. Think about how to support the growth that you're experiencing. You're, you are so right. It's not always easy to say no to business when you're a startup because you want business, but it's also challenging when you work with large companies and they pay you, you know, in 90 days and 120 days, but your payroll still will be right. <laughs> Yeah, it, sometimes it feels like they don't understand that. But <laughs> well, that's great. I really appreciate you sharing. And so obviously, since 2016, you've been with Talent Quest, but it was founded a long, long time prior. So what can you tell us, just getting to know Frank and all the conversations I'm sure you guys have had, what can you tell us about the start of Talent Quest and kind of what the intention was and what the hope was with the company originally? I'm sure it's evolved over time, but what do you know about kind of the origin of Talent Quest? Thank you for asking that. Yeah, I'll tell you it was founded, of course, that time by two psychologists who were using pen and paper to do assessments uh, for to find the right candidate for an organization. And then Frank himself finished his PhD and joined Talent Quest. I think that time it was known as a different company. It was known as Corporate Psychologists. That's really what they did. Just in, They were psychologists interviewing for corporates. And once he joined them, right around the mid-80s, when computers and you had limited RAM and the old style computers, he started to program an Apple computer in basic, really, just to start to take some of that pen and paper questions. And there was now that the patented TQ16 that they had created by then tapping your behavior across the 16 parameters that Frank had helped shape and create. And he started to program that on that computer and that started to use it. And we were still using the old scale technology. People would fax the question sheet over, they would fill that in and fax that back in. And right around 85, that company started to see that growth and he started to invest more and more into it and start to create the team. So the genesis for Talent Quest is the behavioral assessments and it's unique and really, really good. But from that behavioral assessment, you know, once it understands what drives an employee and what how you can select the right employee, you go on to management. And therefore, the IT team as it grew started to create succession planning and compensation and performance and goals along with the assessment. And that's how the company started to grow. And today, based on those questions that it asks you on the assessment, it can provide talent insights. It can map team strengths and team weaknesses. You can do what-if analysis. So there's now very, very rich analytics and data that the Talent Quest Suite can provide, which is very unique in the market. Along with that, with Frank's vision of how talent development fits in with talent management is quite unique as well. So most companies will do an assessment and tell you where the performance gaps may be, where the skill gaps may be. But Talent Quest goes a step further and it just maps the organizational competencies and then the skill gaps, but takes it to completion. So it will recommend dynamically, you know, in the courses and free material and books and other things that you can do. We've also got 250 title library off the shelf that it would recommend that you, once you take that, it will track that to completion and fill that skill set gap and then remeasure you. So it's not just telling you where your weaknesses may be, it's helping you bridge that gap and then 
linking that to your development and therefore organizational metrics. So it's a beautiful system and does the hire, manage, develop, and therefore retention of the employees away well. Yeah, well, it's awesome. I didn't know the fullness of that having just kind of read their website and done a little bit of research. So that's it's interesting that you've taken that originally just a candidate for an organization, you know, that's being assessed and so forth. And then going all the way through the life of their development with an organization and even down to suggesting the exact books or, or study materials or whatever it is, right, to help them develop in specific ways to help the organization and to help the individual, which that in and of itself, I think that speaks to a lot of what what we talk about on this podcast, which is the employee experience. And big part of the employee experience is being built up, being developed. And so that I'd imagine that that is a very natural part of your culture within Talent Quest, given what you do and the software that you provide. Absolutely. That's absolutely right, Jordan. And uh, the uniqueness of the software is that talent development, is telling you where those weaknesses are. And therefore, talent development division, we can do custom learning. We do. Got a number of clients that will come and tell us their needs and we will create that. But we will also create, have an active team that's creating generic titles that you can consume either in conjunction with your organization's competencies or independently as well. So ties in well and with the development and with the learn. We've also got a learning management system that we offer. You can take it in a modular fashion or you can take the full suite. The system can be served up on an as-needed basis or it will interact with other HRIS platforms. Let's take the module that you need. That's awesome. I'm curious. You know, we talked a little bit about startups and a little bit about large companies and sort of the interplay between the two. And it, may, it got me thinking, what are sort of ideal customers for Talent Quest? Is there kind of a, a range or a certain company size where they start to feel the need for this more kind of when they get above 50 people or above 100 people? Or is there any kind of specific market for you guys? Yes. So. Our sweet spot is mid-sized companies, although I will say that a number of uh, large companies, because they're not really necessarily trying to sell a technology intervention. We are not selling an ERP system that may or may not work. We've got consultancy that's built in. We work hand in glove with an organizational, even though it may be a big one, that has either succession or performance or development needs. And we take the technology as an aid to help you reach the organization goal. So got a, a big rich team on site and with these years of experience that we are able to leverage and craft a solution that would meet the organization's specific needs. It's unlike other software products that it's a software tool that you buy and then you have to either implement and try to struggle and use on your own. So that is a difference for that we have at Talent Quest as well. Right. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about TalentQuest as an employer. So just to start out, how big of an organization is TalentQuest at this point in terms of employees? Uh, so about uh, 250 employees. Okay. Globally. Okay. How has that changed from when you came in in 2016? Do you recall kind of the size of the organization at that time? Yes. So that time, TalentQuest was uh, mostly US-centric, almost clients in the US. In the last five years, we've gone more global. Therefore, we have an, actually more employees in uh, India now than we have in the US. Uh, that's because a lot of development work, both for the software as well as for talent development, is done out of our offices in Bangalore. 
So I've seen the both the image size grow as well as the revenue grow in the last five years substantially. We had gone to Europe through a partner earlier, but we're now looking at going to Europe uh, directly uh, later this year. We'll be setting up our own office in London, perhaps. Oh, that's great. Well, I know this is big question, so feel free to take your time to answer it. But curious if you'd speak to the challenges presented by having, let's call it half and half. I know it's not exactly that anymore, but let's say half your employees in the U.S., half in India. The challenge of working together, the challenges of time zone issues and how to communicate synchronistically if you need to. And then also just one of the things that I've seen as a trend is desire for organizations to make sure that there is is a certain level of parity or equity between how employees on one continent are being compensated or the benefits or the perks, right, versus across the world. How have you, and I know you're not in HR and it's not exactly directly tied to this sort of question, but have there been challenges over the past five years as you've kind of blended these folks together and tried to be available to people and also be equitable? Good question, Jordan. I will tell you that, and I've seen this Frank lead from the front. He himself um, travels to India four to five times a year. I go to India before pre-COVID. I was going as many as eight times a year. I've got a large team in India. I lead talent development team. Like I mentioned, Purple Frame, most of the development was done from India. So, and being from India, I'm naturally inclined. I would, I like to travel there. But Frank goes there four to five times a year. And when he does, he will meet every team lead individually. Oftentimes meet every employee that we have in India individually. He will not take detailed notes on issues or challenges that anybody would bring up. It's not about just pasting the employee centricity on the wall. I've seen him live it even so much that he puts employees first, even over profits. If there is an employee that has a problem for him, that's a challenge. And it's a, it's a culture that's different that I've experienced that talent quest than what I have with some of the large companies I worked with earlier where it was more stakeholder centric, got to get the money that you've you're committed. And at talent quest, I see Frank almost lived the dream of the employees own the company and everybody, the employee, and he will, as compensation and bonuses, he's handed out share certificates. He's gone out of his way to make sure that there is parity in pay. Not a single employee was asked to, to leave. The, and the, this is unique for Tanquest all during all the years of COVID. Nobody was asked to take a pay cut. And it's not as though we didn't have business challenges. It was like everybody else. But he lives that. He lives that every day. And I've seen that employee centricity come first and foremost in his mind and therefore to the rest of the company. That is really encouraging and inspiring to hear. I mean, all of it, but I think what stood out to me is all of that travel to go and to sit with people in person and to take notes and to listen and to it's incredible amount of intentionality and probably no one would complain if he didn't do it not really forced to do it but he's doing it anyway and that that definitely proves out the employee centricity <laughs> not just being a value that's slapped on the wall and that you could praise yourself for but that's a beautiful thing I, I wonder if that being a psychologist i wonder if it's just a level of empathy and a level of kind of enjoyment of people that leads him to lead in that capacity or and or is it strategic that he just really believes that being people-centric is both the right thing to do and a strategic way to lead your business 
because you keep people and they're happy and they, they feel fulfilled. I don't know if you have any insights from just the way he sees things, but it is encouraging to hear. I think it's a little bit of both. He does certainly doesn't need to do the kind of things that he can delegate to the, his executive leadership team to do a number of things that he does. Too many other CEOs who will land at two o'clock in the morning, reach the hotel at five, and then in the office at nine thirty, talking to every to each person to understand what's happening in their life and what he could do to improve. But he does, and we have an annual survey that we roll out, and we take those seriously. The KRAs for improving the metrics and the scores, even though. They are substantially higher than anybody else's that I've seen. Those are KRAs for the executive team. Their bonus and compensation is tied to increasing the metrics that the survey throws back. There is an investment in a social collaboration tool where you celebrate wins, uh, you post, you do, you know, celebrate anniversaries. These are tied to rewards, which can be cashed out through that portal. There's an employee appreciation week. Everybody comes, flies in from across the globe. Then we have team events, dinners, like a charitable volunteer hours service that we have. We have an annual day celebration in India where Frank would travel and they'll have awards and recognition. So... Lots of good things that, from a cultural perspective, that Talent Quest does in order to promote employee satisfaction. So inspiring to hear because that is not the story of so many organizations. Typically, you've got a headquarters and that's where all the culture is and that's where all the kind of the perks and the benefits are, right? And the relational capital is at that headquarters and everyone else kind of feels like an outsider. But it sounds like you all go to great lengths to not have it be that way or feel that way and to be really intentional about connecting with folks around the globe. That's really awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. As we were kind of coming up on our typical time, and what I'd love to ask you as we kind of wrap up is just for any advice for our listeners or even for me as I'm leading a company, we're about 60 people at this point and growing and probably will be over 100 by the end of the year if fundraising goes the way I hope and expect it will. But, but so advice for me and for others listening, folks have either, they're either growing like I am or they've lost significant portions of their workforce in the last year, the great resignation and so forth, or the great reshuffling, not talent quest, it sounds like, which is awesome, but most have. And so curious what advice you would give on attracting talent in sort of today's environment. It's brutal out there. I think it's especially hard to attract software engineers and, and other just sort of very highly skilled folks. And they've got offers from all over the globe. You can work from anywhere, no rules. And so it's just become really hard. I'm just curious what advice you and, and just kind of knowing your relationship with Frank and what he might say as well, but what advice would you give on talent attraction today? Great question, Jordan. Like you mentioned, you can walk from anywhere. You almost feel like a consultant with a laptop getting <laughs> your time. But the difference is that the COVID has given us the, the flexibility to work from anywhere and work different hours. But the bonding that you share with an organization, that has to be created. It's not always the paycheck that binds you. There is more that you need to develop. You need to have the shared vision of where you're going together. That's what Frank has all the travel and all the initiatives that he leads helps create at Talent Quest. And the leadership team, uh, Frank's moved on and he's now the chairman and Kevin 
who was the chief revenue officer or is now the CEO, he continues to have the same vision of sharing and driving the unified vision across the company. And that's why the things that I mentioned, having the annual day, celebrating the wins, investing in a tool, creating the library and the learning and opening that up for the employees, the little things that we do to the big things that investments that we need to make in order to glue the employees together. And that's what my advice would be for anybody that you hire to. It may seem counterproductive at the beginning, but there's more to getting an employees to meet together and to bond because that's how they will realize the shared vision of where the entire company is going together rather than it 40 hours who's bidding for the clock next week. Gosh, I hadn't exactly thought of it in those terms. There's certainly a just a generational shift, even letting setting COVID aside in a desire for the relationship between employer and employee to be more personal, to share a vision, to share a mission. And that is already true. But your point about COVID making everyone feel like or potentially feel like a hired gun, that's super interesting. And so perhaps it's all the more important today that we find ways to bond together to bond over that vision and that mission, just to breed those relationships that are so important for people to feel like they've made a home as opposed to just some transient two-year experience and they'll, they'll move on to the next contract. So yeah, that's really interesting insight. I appreciate that. Well, this has been really insightful. I've learned a lot, Mahim, and I'm sure our listeners have as well. Is there anything else, just question you wish I would have asked you, <laughs> or anything else that you'd like to share before we wrap up here? Uh, no, just um, thank you for inviting me, and thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk about myself, about Talent Quest. Wish you the very best as you are in your growth spot and as you seek those investments, and keep in touch. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you, Mahim. It's very kind of you. For all you listening, we'll catch you next week on Bragworthy Culture. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Bragworthy Culture podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to enjoy future episodes. This episode is brought to you by Fringe, the number one employee lifestyle and fringe benefits platform. With Fringe, you can empower employees with lifestyle benefits that can be personalized to reduce stress, give back time, and spark joy. Fringe, benefits for life. Contact us and find out more at fringe.us.